0: Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 is our text this morning and we've had a good time in the Lord already enjoying the Lord's Supper and so rather than read our text together I'm going to pray and jump right into the message and that way we can be done by 3 o'clock and um, all right Isaiah and chapter number uh, 53 this morning Isaiah and chapter number 53 and uh, would you follow along with me as I begin reading. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. This Chapter is 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 filled with prophetic statements uh, referencing Jesus Christ. The very first line you'll find correlated in John 12, 37 and thirty eight, and throughout the text. the 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 uh, subject of Isaiah fifty three is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And the Bible says here about Him, our Savior, that. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Evidently, Jesus, who represented all men, was a very average-looking man, with no particular beauty of either form or face. I take it, he was average size, average height, Average looking. His beauty was not outward, was not outward, his beauty was inward. Amen. Then we read in verse number three He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were. Our faces from him. He was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken. Smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, Romans 5, 6, and 8. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Mark 15, 4 and 5. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living... From the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Matthew 27, 57 through 60. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah God, the Father, to bruise him, the Son. He hath put him to grief. And thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he, look at it, shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, crucified with thieves, Mark 15, 27 and 28. And he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. I want to speak to you from verse number 4. Surely he hath borne... Our griefs, B-O-R-N-E. He's carried, He's borne our griefs. The end of verse 11 says, He shall bear their iniquities. He shouldered the burden. He bore the grief. Heavenly Father, please, through the power of your Holy Spirit for just a few minutes, may you impact the hearts of your people, helping us to see all that you did there on Calvary. In Jesus' name, Amen. When the Apostle was snatched away from Samaria and sent into the desert to witness to one eunuch, the treasurer for the queen of Ethiopia. He was traveling in his chariot and he was reading, he had his own copy of the book of Isaiah and he was reading this passage. And God snatched his servant out of a great revival and sent him down there in the middle of nowhere to catch this one man that was searching for the truth. And as he came alongside his chariot, he saw him there reading this text that we just read. And he said, Do you, do you understand what you're reading? And the man, I'm imagining with a perplexed look on his face, said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And the man of God said, uh, And I'm at living." I can help you. You can? Yes, sir. Well, come on up. And I can see the servant of God crawl up in that chariot, sit by that dignitary. The Bible said he started showing him Jesus Christ. Amen? Showing him Jesus Christ. And the light of truth came on and dawned in the heart and mind of that Ethiopian eunuch. And he said, Why? that's Jesus Christ. That's the one that crucified. That's the one that rose from the dead. He said, I want to be identified with that. Hey, I know what identifies me as a believer is baptism. And he said, what's keeping me from being baptized? He said, well, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that? He said, I believe with all my heart. He said, there's some water right over there. Pull over, fellas. I want to get baptized. Amen. Amen. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only hope. His death, burial, and His resurrection. And I want to signify it by going down in the water like Jesus did and coming up out of the water and saying, I believe that it was the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that washed away my sins. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so our sins and our iniquities at the end of verse 11, he bore. We can be saved because Jesus Christ took our sins and bore them in his own body. May I remind you, friend, look at verse 4. I've done this in my Bible. You may want to do the same. I want to encourage you to circle three little letters. The word our. Oh, you are. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace that which was necessary to bring us peace. It was ours the chastisement was upon Him. And then you can circle the kindred word, we, and with His stripes, we are healed. Amen? Amen. It was our grief. It was our sorrow. It was our affliction. It was our iniquities but may I remind you of other things that he took verse 7 he was oppressed verse 7 he was afflicted he was a lamb to the slaughter in verse 8 he's cut off at the end of verse 8 he's stricken in verse 10 he's bruised In verse 11, he endures the travail of soul. Near the end of verse 12, he had poured out his soul unto death. This verse and this passage tells us of the sufferings of Christ and the reason for it. It was for our sins... It was in our stead that Jesus suffered. We have sinned. We have come short of the glory of God. We sinners have our beloved sins and our own evil ways of which we are fond. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And it is our sins that earned not only an eternal punishment of death and hell. But it is our sins that brought deservedly in this life, in this existence, the physical ramifications, the physical byproduct of sin, grief, sorrow, rejection, a despising, wounds, bruises. Sin has eternal consequences, but it also has consequences in this life. And what I want to show you this morning is that your Savior did not just bear our sin. He also bore, verse 4, our text, our griefs. He bore our griefs. Webster's 1828 dictionary says, Grief is the pain of mind produced by loss, personal injury, or regret. The pain of mind occasioned by our own misconduct, sorrow, or regret that we have done wrong. There's the pain of loss or injury, and then there's the pain. Of her own misconduct, both of which are a result of man's sin. Today is my oldest daughter's birthday. She's 27 years old today in heaven. And I'm looking forward to seeing her. We were talking about that on the way to church this morning. And my wife said, I think she looks the most, she's gonna look the most. We're curious what she looks like. And we think she looks, Mama thinks she looks the most like Stacy, our youngest, because both of them have a little bit uh, rounder face and square head. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, round face. I'm sorry. And so we'll see. We'll get to heaven. We'll find out if Mama's right on that. But she probably is. But I'm looking forward to seeing her. Amen? Amen. I'm looking forward to seeing six other little babies that we never got to hold. Looking forward to seeing them one day in heaven. I know a little bit about grief, and most everybody in this room knows something about grief. Let me tell you something grief doesn't have to destroy you. All the grief in this world is a result of man's sin. Death in this world is a result of man's sin. The wages of sin is death. God never sinned, God didn't bring grief into this world. God didn't bring grief. Man's sin brought grief into this world. Grief is a wage of sin. Sin brings death and death brings grief. And all the suffering and all the grief in this world is a result of man's sin. Whether you saw it in the news or not, while you and I on Christmas Eve were thinking of our celebrations that evening and the day to follow, a horrible massacre was taking place in Nigeria. As Boko Haram and other terrorists swept through village after village known for Christians, looking for pastors in their families especially, burning house after house, forcing God's people into church buildings and setting them on fire, cutting people up Christmas Eve. Scores of calls were made to the authorities who did not respond for 16 hours. Nobody showed up to help. God's people were left to be slaughtered. And the unbelieving mind, and the bitter heart, and the individual. Unable or unwilling to take responsibility for their own sin. Would look to the heavens. And say how could God allow such grief? I got news for you. God didn't sin, man sinned. And the wages of sin is death. And grief is because of death. But he bore our sin. And our sorrow. Now wait a minute. He bore our sin and our sorrow. He bore our sin and the grief that follows sin. Got news for you, dear friend. You don't have to be destroyed by grief because Jesus carried our grief on the cross. Amen. Not just our sin was paid for, but all of the baggage that goes along with sin. All the baggage that goes along with sin. How about verse 3? The word despised. The word despised means to hold in contempt. To disdain. To have the lowest opinion of. To abhor. Believers in many countries around the world are subjected to such every single day. Looked upon as an object of abhorrence, looked upon with contempt, looked upon with disdain, looked upon with the lowest opinion. So many people groups in different parts of the world are despised by the neighbors. In the caste system of India, those deplorable people at the very bottom are not afforded even basic rights. I remember we were on vacation several years ago and we stopped at a church on vacation. It was a missionary from India and was telling stories. Stories like this are told over and over again. A little girl starving to death, her little brother starving to death, and go to a public water fountain to try to parch their quenched thirst. And because they are outcast, the lowest caste system in India, those of a higher caste did not want their water tainted by a lower caste. And to show the rest of the folks that you don't use that water fountain, they set that little girl on fire and burned her alive. And I'm to tell you something. That kind of hatred is a result of man's sin, not God's. but hallelujah. He was despised for us you see the word sorrow there in verse 3 meaning the uneasiness or pain of mind which, which is produced by the loss of good frustrated hopes or loss of happiness I learned this week of a lady I just know her as a friend She's visited our church on a number of occasions, but she belongs to a good church. And, but on a special occasion, she'll come with a friend and visit us. and We see her in the course of our life, here and there, and she's a blessing. And the joy of the Lord resides on her face and in her heart. I never knew until just this week of probably the most terrible pain and loss that a wife could possibly endure. Worse than infidelity. Worse than betrayal. And I was stunned to learn that she had been through that. And every day she lives with that memory. I keep on my calendar a lot of, not all of them, but many of the dates of those who pass on to heaven. haven't always done that, but I I guess for eight or ten years now. And I think of you, I don't always contact you, but I think of you on those days. Many times I will. There's an unbelieving world that says if there's a good God in heaven, then why didn't he do something about all this pain? I got some good news. He did do something about it. 2,000 years ago He came to Calvary and He bore our sins and He bore our sorrows and He bore our griefs. Now friends, if you don't know you're on your way to heaven, as long as you blame God, your burden will never be lifted. As long as you blame God, your burden will never be lifted. As long as you continue your mantra, where was God when I needed Him? If He's such a loving God, why don't I feel like He loves me? Why doesn't He do something about my situation? Why doesn't He fix this problem in my life? Why doesn't He help me out? When the angel of the Lord came to Gideon in Judges chapter 6, He said, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. His response could uh, 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 could be on the lips of anyone in this modern day. When Gideon said, if the Lord be with us, then why is all this befalling us? And where be all the miracles that our fathers talked about? If God is with us, then why is all this going on in my life? And where's all the miracles I hear other people tell us about? And the same doubting in Gideon, the same doubting Gideon, that same doubt plagues the heart of many today who say, where's the goodness of God in my life? when my loved one was taken and when my my pain uh, came upon me and the consequences of this situation was unjustified and I suffered the brunt of it, I got news for you, my dear friend. Look around. Your sin has affected your neighbor and your neighbor's sin has affected you and your parents' sin affected you and your sin's going to affect your children and we're all mixed up in this thing together and the only innocent party is the Lamb of God. You can blame Him all you want to, but as long as you do, you'll have to carry the burden of your own sin. As long as you blame God, your burden will never be lifted. As long as you blame others, your burden will never be lifted. Funny thing. Why is it so often... That the people we blame are often people who represent God to us. You go back to the first chapters of the Scripture. Don't turn to it for time. But you go back to Genesis chapter 4. God made it clear to Adam and Eve, as we illustrated a while ago, started all the way back at the original sin. And they tried to cover their Hide from God didn't work. Tried to cover their shame. It didn't work. They blamed, tried to blame. That didn't work. And God made them coats of skin representing the righteousness of Christ that covers the believer. And what did Abel do? What did his big brother Cain do? Cain, when it was time to sacrifice, said, you know, I'm going to try something different. Abel did what his parents taught him to do. He brought a lamb and sacrificed that lamb and God accepted that representative lamb of Christ. That was his way of demonstrating his faith in a coming son who would crush the and say, Jesus Christ is that son. And that was his demonstration that faith that God was going to give a son and that son would conquer sin and death and hell and the grave. What did Cain do? Cain was impressed with his hard work. Had the biggest pumpkins he ever had. Had the finest zucchini squash ever. His tomatoes were just luscious. He said, you know, I bet God's impressed with this. I'm going to gather up the best of my effort. And I'm going to bring it to God. and Make my sacrifice with the fruit of my hands. My labor. And the Bible says in Genesis 4 that God rejected Cain's sacrifice and accepted Abel's sacrifice. He rejected Cain's sincere efforts to appease God with his own work. And it takes work to get that out of the ground. Whereas God received Abel's blood sacrifice. And here's, watch me, here's what happened. Eight Cain got mad at Abel what did Abel do? He just obeyed. Okay? Christian friend, listen to me. You don't have to do anything except live for Jesus to be disdained by this old world. You don't have to do anything except love Jesus and live for Him for somebody look at you and say, you're a nut. You're a crazy fool. All you have to do is love Jesus and live for Him. Amen? And this old world is going to say, you, you, you're, you're a bunch of crazies. And Cain hated his brother Abel. What did Abel do? I hear Cain. Well, You think you're better than me. You think you're holier than thou. You look down on me. You make me feel uncomfortable. Hey, Abel, you don't have a mirror, so go down to the lake and look in the lake and see your reflection. What did he do? He blamed others. As long as you blame God, your burden will never be lifted. As long as you blame others, your burden will never be lifted. And you know the story Cain's anger turned to bitterness, and bitterness turned to rage, and rage turned to murder. And the first two brothers in the world, Cain murdered his brother, Abel. Number three and last. I said, number one, as long as you blame God, your burden will never be lifted. Number two, as long as you blame others, your burden will never be lifted. Number three, as long as you try to carry your burden yourself, it will never be lifted. Now, yes, I'm talking about those who try to work their way to heaven. But I'm talking about more than that. I want to apply this to Christians. I want to apply this to the saved. I want to apply this to those whose names are in the book of life. Because Jesus Christ, yes, he bore our iniquities, our transgressions, our sins, he paid for them all. But our text says that he also bore our grief, which was a result of sin. He bore our sorrows, which is a result of sin. He bore rejection and being despised, all of which are a result of sin. And I got news for you. As long believer, I'm talking to the saved now, As long as you try to carry that guilt yourself, as long as you try to carry that shame yourself, as long as you try to carry that sorrow yourself, as long as you try to carry that grief yourself, as long as you try to carry those those bruises banged up from life and you're falling and you're sin, you will never, your burden will never be lifted. You can take the shame and you can bury it deep inside. You can put on a happy face and act like nothing's wrong. You can pretend to be invincible like you can handle any injustice and any mistreatment. And I'm not just talking about the grief from your own sin. I'm talking about that. But I'm talking about the grief that we bear when someone around us sin and the trouble that others cause us and the rejection of others. I'm talking about our sin that God heaps problems in our lives and on others and the sin of others that heaps problems on their life and also on us. Listen, we're all carrying the burdens and the shame and the sorrow of our sin and of each other's sin. I'm telling you, fire friend, listen, God doesn't deserve that laid at his feet and somebody represented God. Your mom, your dad, your youth pastor, your pastor doesn't deserve that, but Jesus Christ, is me, he already bore that for you. Why is it that some Christians get out of church when a tragedy happens and get bitter at God and get away from God and some just get sweeter and sweeter? Yes, they grieve and yes, they sorrow and yes, they crowd buckets of tears and yes their heart seems to break but they look to Calvary and they say Jesus you know what it is to grieve and sorrow and you can help me through this and they come out sweeter not without pain they come out sweeter giving God the Lord why? because they realize they got to go to the feet of Jesus and say Jesus you got to help me I can't carry this grief I can't carry this shame I can't carry this injustice but you know what injustice is and you know what pain is and you bore it all for me. Surely he had borne our griefs. That's an amusing little story. But the fellow was walking down the road with a sack of potatoes on his back. Down a dusty country road in back of the days of horse and buggies, And while he carried that sack of potatoes struggling along the road, a man pulled up with his horse and buggy, said, sir, would you like me to carry you home? He said, yes, sir, would you please? And he crawled up next to the man in the buggy and sat down with his sack of potatoes over his shoulder. And the man said, looked at him curiously said, sir, he said, hey, listen, why don't you set your potato sack down? He said, Oh, sir, it's enough that you're willing to carry me. I can't expect you to carry my potatoes, too. And you know, that's what we do with Jesus. We trust him to save us, but we can't trust him with all the negative consequences of sin. Well, somebody did me wrong. Take it to Jesus, they did him wrong. You know what he'll say? He'll say, you know, I've been there too. I know what it feels like. But don't worry. I already bore that for you. Heave it on up here. Amen, I can handle that. And you can take your injustice to Jesus and say, Jesus, I can't carry this. It's about to drive me insane. I'm about to kill somebody. But you can say, Jesus, here's my injustice. I've been mistreated. He said, let me have that. Let me have that. And he who bore the penalty of our sin bears also the shame, the despising, the injustice, the grief, the sorrow, and all that goes with it. Now listen. Until you stop blaming others, blaming God, until you quit acting the martyr with your long face, the whole world's supposed to feel sorry for you because you got a problem. Until you learn to go to Jesus and by faith, if this world from you withhold of its silver and its gold, and you have to get along on meager fare, just remembering His Word, how He feeds the little bird. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Would you bow your heads, please?